And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the Daily Ding. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me tonight is my good friend, Mark Schindler. Mark, what's up, man? Playoff basketball is what's up, Andrew. We Ooh. had two really, really good games tonight, man. Oh, um, my goodness. Well, I'm excited to dive into these two. How are you feeling after this one? I'm feeling juiced up is how I'm feeling. This was such a fun night. We have to start. We have to start in Boston. I cannot. I still am wrapping my mind around that the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Boston Celtics without Joel Embiid who was ruled out earlier today, 119 to 115 in such a insanely wild game. James Harden, 45 points, six assists, 17 of 30 from the field, seven of 14 from three was unreal. Tyrese Maxey was great. Jason Tatum was awesome in this game, 39 points, 11 boards, five assists. But I, I wanted to walk through the fourth quarter of this game, kind of the late fourth quarter of this game, about five minutes left, where P.J. Tucker just inadvertently, just a a no-look nut tap on Jason Tatum, and then I just felt like from there, it just kind of set everything off. It just sent everything just kind of crazy. The next play, Tobias Harris just does does this like rope-a-dope where he is dribbling around in two complete circles to get back to the rim on Horford's course. The next play, Marcus Smart, and one circus shot falls on the ground. I feel like that happened two or three times tonight where Marcus Smart ends up on the ground for an and one. Um, and then the play of the game. This happened a few plays later. This was it. This was with the refs held the uh, the game in their hands with this one. It was the block charge call on Tyrese Maxey as he goes to the rim, makes the layup, gets fouled, two officials have two different calls, and he has five fouls in this game. And I thought, this is the call of the game. Which, whichever way this goes, this could shift the entire game. I don't, I don't know how you felt in that moment, but that was kind of, I felt like, oh my gosh, they are, they are literally like cradling this game in their arms right now. Yeah, no, I felt exactly the same. And I'm glad that they reversed, or I guess not reversed, just didn't give that a call because that was... Um, I mean, it was pretty clear that Marcus was still moving when Tyrese left yes. uh, left his feet. Um, I think what's so frustrating is that that always has some gray area where some refs call it where, okay, well, if you're not technically moving, the, uh, it doesn't matter if he was moving laterally. Sorry, I'm reading the comments. It, it, mm-hmm. Even if you're moving laterally, it doesn't matter. If you're not done moving when somebody is going up to attempt their shot um, or off the ground, it shouldn't count. Um, and there is murkiness in that, but basically in the rule book, that's how it should be. So yeah, they called it right. 
If Maxi had gone out, I think that's, oh, that's toast. That would have been curtains for them. Yeah. And so it's great. And, and also, you just get to see this game play out. You know, I, I didn't really feel like, oh, this is definitely going to be a Sixers win because he stays in the game. I just thought, okay, this can be a game. Because it was a four-point – I mean, that was a, a big swing. It had he not gotten the points and then the – and one, whatever. So it's 110-111, Boston's up one. On that next play, Boston gets two offensive rebounds. Horford gets this, like, basically uncontested layup to go up three. And you're thought, man, that's pretty rough. <laughs> And then Paul Reed, man. Paul Reed stepped up in a big way tonight. In the first half, man, like the Sixers were just given everything at the rim. There was like a kajillion dunks, it felt like, in the first half. But Mm -hmm. in the second half, he was way more physical. And the free throws from him, I mean, he stepped up and hit four massive free throws in like the highest pressure environment that I can think of that he's ever played in. And sinks him. 57 seconds left. He sinks two. Didn't even touch the rim. Didn't even think about touching the rim as those things are going in. 112, one, 112 to 113 with 57 seconds left. And then, boy, the Celtics had the most mind-numbing play that I have maybe ever seen. Nobody wanted the ball. They were playing hot potato. It was Brogdon to Smart. Smart to Brown. Brown back to Smart. Smart to Tatum. Tatum to Brogdon. And then Brogdon throws it to Tyrese Maxey as the clock expires. They all think this is a shot clock violation. Maxey takes it coast to coast. He is even a little unsure. You can tell in his with his body language that he's even a little unsure after he dunks it. Like, did this even count? Is this even going to ha- happen for us? This was, that gave the Sixers the lead. 114 to 113. And it just felt like, what are the... I just did not understand what in the world the Celtics were doing. They just didn't seem to have a plan. And I know the Sixers played good defense, but that was just a one of the most mind-numbing plays I've ever seen. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, but all I could think about in that moment is uh, at any time that Maxi gets the ball in the open court, I just yeah. think of playing uh, playing any of the Sonic games growing up. <laughs> and it's just like... He just rolls up he hits a that gear. As soon as his, his first step is just nasty. Yeah. Like, He's gone as soon as it happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was weird. I think seeing some of the indecision from the Celtics late. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is to 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 to. Jeez, I cannot speak. I think it does speak to what the Sixers' defense was late because, like you mentioned, like I thought Paul Reed was really active and um, did a lot of really good things. But also, it was just yeah. I mean, that kind of indecision and uh, lack of feeling out the moment was was weird from them. Yeah. Uh, it was really tough from a Celtics standpoint because I think you had some players who really like just struggle overall tonight. Like honestly, I think to me Tatum and, and Brogdon were the only two players I look at who I would say had quote unquote like above average games for the Celtics. I mm-hmm. thought most everyone was pretty yeah pretty below average, had some rough points. Like Marcus Smart was solid, but um Al Horford really struggled on defense. Part of that was the positions they put him in. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was cold from deep, but Derek White didn't have a great game. But, like, even looking at Tatum, I mean, Tatum had a really good game tonight. But yeah. that gets lost for what his last four or five minutes were. Like, yep. um, as good as he was at the rim overall the entire game, he ends up just missing two or three really easy looks around the basket on drives um, that would have been pretty crucial in them winning the game. 
Uh, and yeah, their their offense was just weird tonight. It, it, even with them scoring as many points as they did, I didn't really feel great about how points were being scored. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't feel great about their defense consistently. I just felt like it was it kind of waxed and waned throughout the game, and they just got kind of tight there at the end of the game. They just didn't they just didn't play well, you know. After after that, um, let's see. So Paul Reed makes the two free throws, and then they have their hot potato, which is just ridiculous, just ridiculous. Tyrese Maxey gets the two points. Tatum goes to the line. The Celtics are actually up with 26 seconds left, 115 to 114, which sets up, this is the shot. Like, this is the shot of the game. And I don't know if this drove you crazy, but just like this, like the easy switch the Celtics gave there was just like, hey, we, you know the Sixers want to get Al Horford <laughs> onto Harden. And... They, it was almost just like, can we please have Al Horford on James Harden? Like, yes, you may. And like, it was just I, that kind of stuff just drives me crazy because you have a guy like Smart who can fight. There was not like some crazy like wall set up where he couldn't fight through. It's just like the soft switching that happens sometimes in the NBA kind of drives me crazy. But it set up the biggest shot of the game where Harden was just unbelievable. It looked like vintage Harden getting that shot off. I, I honestly just didn't know he had that left in him to get to 45 in a game. I just didn't know that well, that was there. A couple of things on that. The fun part is that this was, in my opinion, in watching and also just I points to all, this is Harden's best game in a, in a Sixers uniform. It's the only, he'd never scored 40 points in a game as a Sixer, granted yeah. small sample size, but um, exactly like you're mentioning. I mean, that was just huge for him in the moment yep. of what they needed. Uh, I was coming in expecting them to lose by double digits, and I think most people were honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like you're speaking on with 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 Horford, I think it's a little bit of a double edged sword because I think in, in some ways you can look at it and say, well, you know, Harden is not going to hit seven to fourteen every night, um, so you just live with that. But at the same point, when it's been happening the entire night, it yeah. feels like, or I guess, like I don't know, it kind of it was more like you you got the flurry in the first quarter. He heated up towards the end of the third, and then it was the entirety of the fourth. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm right there with you. Like I feel like I would have so much rather seen the Celtics try to be – like I don't think you can just, quote-unquote, get the ball out of Harden's hands. I feel like that always um, gets brought up. I'm like, you know, that's a lot easier said than done yeah. because, you know, when he's getting the ball moved out of his hands, it's probably just somebody who's open because he's a damn good passer. But, mm-hmm. um, like – P.J. Tucker played 36 minutes, and it just never felt like the Celtics found a way to even try and punish them for playing him as much as they You know how many shots um, he took tonight? He took zero. He took zero, zero Mark. He took none, yeah. and they like, didn't it, make them pay at all. Yeah, and I think that is what I find more baffling. Like I, yeah. I wanted to see them be a lot more aggressive defensively. Um go away from some of what they were doing and being a little bit vanilla and just trying to keep everything in front. And like, they have the guys to, to be like, I mean, we've seen them do it. They, they yeah. have the guys to be more aggressive. They have the guys yes. to, um, to make things interesting and, and they opted not to. And I'm interested to see if they change that up moving forward. And, and if they could give us some inclination as to why that was the option tonight, but um, it's what they did. So, uh. 
Yeah. Goodness. It that was that was bad. And then I mean, obviously, like huge credit to James Harden. You know, ties a career playoff high at forty five. He had he was amazing tonight. Paul Reed again hit those two free throws to basically ice this game. Both those guys were unbelievable. Maxi deserves a ton of credit for what he brought. D'Anthony Melton off the bench was on, was so good. He hits he hit yeah. five of six from three. He was so so good for them. Um, and then it's it really was the indecision of the Celtics. I think the, that's that's what you said, and I think that's a great way to phrase it because even there with the inbound, it was Brogdon to Smart. Smart drives the lane and was Tatum didn't really know what he was going to do once he got into the got into the paint and he kind of threw it toward Tatum but not it didn't really even feel like a pass and the ball ends up going out of bounds and Tatum pushes Paul Reed and that's how he gets the free throws but it was just like this well we don't know what's going to happen it just they just felt so ill prepared for the moment and it's it's just funny to to see a a team coached by Doc Rivers that doesn't have Joel Embiid out there to be the team that's way more prepared and to be the team that looked ready for the moment that that kind of blew my mind a little bit uh and this is this was the first what was it the first uh game one win for Philadelphia or for Philadelphia in Boston since 1981 i thought that was just that's just kind of crazy to think about that's Going back a ways, yeah. <laughs> Wait, shoot. So who is even on that Sixers team? That's is that Barkley? Or no, that's that's too early for Charles. Barkley. No, too early for Barkley. I you know what? I don't probably know. Moses Malone? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Probably Moses I, Malone. Yeah, I think that's right. But eighties is where my my hoops knowledge gets murky. But nineties, I'm good. But it's yeah. been it's been a long time. And congrats to the Philadelphia 76ers. If you're a Sixers fan, you got to be feeling good today. They deserve they deserve that win. We'll see if Joel Embiid plays in Game Two. Uh, it's going to be that will be crucial because I mean Philly they're giving themselves a shot. I don't think many people gave them a shot in this series without Joel. And good on James Harden and the Philadelphia defense. And I didn't love the way Tobias Harris played throughout the night, but he finished the game really well. He hit some. Big, he yeah. hit a really big three from Harden. He played really well down the stretch. Um, so I'm. I just. I feel happy for. For the Sixers and for Sixers fans. Um, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to Denver. In a very, very interesting game, this was a, this was not. If I were to, if you were to tell me like pick the low scoring affair of the night, I don't think this would have been the game that I would have picked. I think that I might have said it's going to be Philly without Joel Embiid might be the uh, low scoring affair, but that was not it. It was the Suns Nuggets, eighty seven ninety seven. What year is it? What's happening here? Uh, this was a this was a weird one. 
And one thing I, I, is Jokic. He put, he put the team on his back. He took 30 shots tonight. If I'm looking for the stat of the night, it's that. That we had aggressive Nikola Jokic tonight. 39 points on 30 shots. 39-16-5 tonight. He was, he was the MVP. He was masterful. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't don't go taking something away from year fourteen, Jeff Green, but uh, I think he had a close <laughs> second for for MVP there. Uh, shout out to him. His only points tonight were just an absolute oh. posterization. Oh. Um, just don't know how he does it anymore, man. It's crazy to me. I he's been like not to just go on this wild tangent, but uh, I'm I'm a big Georgetown fan. I've always loved Jeff Green. I still believe he's going to make an all-star team someday, <laughs> even though he's like 36. Um, and just seeing like his career is so fun, man. But yeah, uh, like you said, I think watching in a game like this where they really needed somebody to take over and be their number one scorer. Oh, man. It was awesome to see this from him because yes. Jamal, as much as he put pressure on the defense and I thought his passing was awesome tonight and the way he got into the paint was really good. Yeah. Jamal did not have it as a score tonight. Um, you can say that again. Oh, nine from deep, three of fifteen from the floor. Yeah, was not his night as a scorer. But um, Jokic was awesome as a as a scorer. It didn't really matter who was on him. I thought Bismack Biombo gave him a little bit of trouble early on, mm-hmm. but then he, you know, Jokic just kind of figuring him out from there. And I didn't really think there was much of an answer to it. Um, he was just kind of having his way. Uh, and got to give a big shout out to Aaron Gordon too. I really liked Aaron Gordon's game tonight. Um, like, not a crazy box score or anything, but I thought he did a really nice job and, um, you know, just adding some secondary stuff there while also playing really well defensively. Yeah, the, the Nuggets' defense in the fourth quarter was really good. And also the Suns' offense can, was can I just say something? Yeah, so okay. bad. Yeah, yeah. So bad. They were 0 of 9 to start the fourth quarter with Jokic on the bench. Like, these are the minutes where you – if he's on the bench – and everybody else has been terrible tonight. Everybody else is just can't even throw the ball into the ocean. And you can't, you cannot take advantage of that moment. Like that, that is the moment that screwed over the Suns. They were in this game, the start of the fourth quarter, and it was basically like campaign had just a series of plays that was just like, like, what like what's going on? Like, don't do you not realize that Kevin Durant is out there with you? Like, what what are we doing here? The fact they went 0 of 9 to start the fourth quarter and they could, they just made terrible plays. Some of that's Chris Paul's out. He tweaked his groin with about 4.30 left in the third quarter and went out. And it just felt like they couldn't generate offense outside of just like Booker and KD just being themselves. And they really even weren't themselves in the fourth quarter of this game. Yeah, I think uh, part of what was really fun in watching this and the way that the Nuggets play defense. Um, if you just look at, at Michael Porter Jr.'s box score, you'd be like, you know, what the hell is he doing tonight? I thought yeah. his defense was awesome. Yeah. Like, I thought he was really solid defensively tonight. And it was fun to watch. Like, they put him on Chris Paul. And I mm-hmm. thought that was a really interesting way to go. Um, where knowing, like, hey, Chris Paul is quicker to you. He's going to get to his spots. But I thought MPJ did a really good job of just recovering. Yep. They were doing a lot of, okay, well, we're going to have uh, Jokic will, will show a little bit, keep him in front and MPJ will recover back, you know, just be long and be in the way. And I thought that worked perfectly because they did a really good job of preventing him from – like, obviously, he's not getting downhill all the time, but he, he's good enough at doing, like, the Nash dribble and getting to where he wants to and, and opening things up with pacing and timing. And um, 
I thought that was a really great job to to stifle a lot of anything that could happen in early offense or out of a, a, a Chris Paul ball screen for them. Um, bigger thing too, it felt like it didn't really matter who was the fifth player on the court for for the Suns. Yeah. They just did not care, and they were going to help off and and be pretty aggressive, yeah. uh, cheating into the lane. So that just really deterred a lot. And I think you know there has shout out as always to my guy Nikias Duncan. I think the only person as soon as the KD trade happened and part of it in jest like he's always you know like he's always thinking of the minute things but like as soon as the KD trade happens like so who exactly is getting to the rim and yeah the 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 Suns took 16 shots to the rim tonight like that compared to 33 long twos and to be fair like they shot 17 to 33 on long twos this is a team that's going to shoot incredibly well for mid-range but that is an incredibly tough diet to live on, especially in a game like this. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that play out tonight. Again, like I think that speaks to to what some of the other personnel is on the team. But um, when your three best players are all guys who operate at their best, um, you know, in that in between, and well, losing the battle of who's taking more threes and making more threes, mm-hmm. um, it's really tough. I think tonight was just one of those nights that was a big indicator of that. Um, I will say too, like Kevin Durant's gonna gonna have a better game moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna be really interested to see how they continue to 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 operate with him because they used him a ton as an off ball player today yep. instead of initiating sets with him. And I wonder if they're gonna change that up at all because I do think that that's more of where they can get interesting with it. Um, and maybe they try and attack Denver's defense in a different way. Um, not that he wasn't an effective off ball player. Like he's going to draw the defense. He's still going to do things well, but I think, uh, as much as I love Devin Booker as a player and he had a pretty good game tonight, a very good game tonight. Um, I think that I I would like to see them diversify that a little bit more and just try and get a little bit more creative. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to, if Chris Paul can't go like they're, I mean, they just simply will have to. They're gonna have, and they they need any, somebody, anybody, to step up. Anybody, I mean, they had they had fourteen points outside of KD, Booker, and Aiden. Fourteen. They had four points on sixteen shots off the bench. Like you Not just great. you just can't survive that. You just can't survive it, especially when Kevin is twenty seven shots, twenty four points. Like you just can't you can't survive it. You know that's that's how you score 87 points in a playoff game in 2023 is like, you just don't have enough guys that can get the job done. Like all these guys are so reliant on somebody to create a shot for them. And then like when your, your best point guard goes out, I mean, it just makes life so much harder for you. I'm just so curious to see how they continue. And like you said, like they're going to have to put the ball in Kevin's hands. Like Kevin is going to have to go create, this is going to have to be Kevin's team if they're going to even win this series. And it's not over. We can't we can't trick ourselves because we've we've seen this. Everybody, everybody had written off the Warriors being down 0-2 to the Kings. And I know this is different. This is not a team that's done it together before. Mm-hmm. And so you have every reason if you if you want to. But I also just like let's just chill out and let's see what happens in Phoenix. Because I have no oh, sorry to yeah, I, no. I, I do I do want to add one last thing. Sure, I am. I get wanting to change up 
to have Josh Kogan on the court to try and contain Jamal Murray. Yeah. At the same time, I'm just pretty out on it. And especially when you look at the series that Torrey Craig just had against the Clippers, like he was really yeah, good against the Clippers. I know. Like, granted, game five, he didn't, I don't even think he scored in game five. But even if he's not going to get guarded like a shooter, you know he's at least going to take the shots. And he's been on a heater, you know, as much as you can be uh, as a guy who takes like seven or eight shots a game. But like, I just don't think that the offense defense trade off has been worth it enough to go with a Koji as much as they have. I wonder if they're going to change that up at all now. But I also yeah. like, I, I do wonder if we're going to come back and let's go like, oh, maybe that shouldn't happen at the beginning of game one, too. Not trying to say that I know more than Monty Williams. I clearly do not. But um, that was kind of one of the bigger surprises to me was seeing them automatically just off rip, go away from tour. And like, he only played 11 yeah. minutes tonight. And I think he, he, it was similar the night before. Um, so it's, I mean, not very similar, but like, granted, I think he played that much because they were getting blown out. But yeah. Um, yeah. Just, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know what other moves they really have to make with it. I mean, he's, tr he's trying, he's just throwing everything at the wall. They played 10 guys by the beginning of the second quarter. 10. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, if that's not an indicator of, I don't really know what I've got here. You're in the second round of the playoffs. You're playing 10 guys by the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, that's a problem. Michael Clampett in the chat. I think th this is the sign that the show is over. Michael Clamp Clampett, we're, we're doing this show live on YouTube. If you want to tune in on YouTube, you can comment along every single night with us. Michael Clampett, this is the comment that ends the show. He said, you know what Phoenix needs? Some Darius Baisley drives to the basket. And that's going to do it for today's show. Tampering is up next. Mark, send us out. Ding, ding, y'all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.